0: Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. We are back at it discussing the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, the number one personal finance book of all time. And I'm reading that off the back cover of the book, so not sure the validity of that claim. But this time we cover human nature, Robin Hood, corporations, and tax. And as far as I know, there's nothing that will liven up your day more than Mark and I rambling on about the history of the tax system. So brace yourself for that. If you're looking for tax advice, you're tuning into the wrong podcast, please consult the appropriate professionals. But if you're looking for some insights on how to structure your financial affairs wisely, especially when it comes to tax and corporations, then tune in. As always, you can get in contact with Mark over at Joy Hill Property Management, uh, joyhill.ca. He's helping folks to set up and manage short and midterm rental properties. Myself, I'm at Good Stewards Inc., goodstewards.ca. Our services help you source the right rental property, develop quality rental units, and source amazing tenants. And if this episode thoroughly discombobulates you, then please feel free to reach out, send your feedback to hello at twostewards.ca. That's twostewards.ca. And now, on to the show.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Two Stewards Show. This is Mark, and I'm here with Brent, Hello, everybody. And we're doing our second episode on the Rich Dad Poor Dad. So from time to time, we're going to do a book review of uh, books that have either influenced us or um, other folks in real estate. And Rich Dad Poor Dad is uh, one of those books that most people uh, will cite as having influenced them in uh, in some degree. So last time, we kind of covered probably the, the beginning of the book. Uh, the history of the rich dad and the poor dad. Um, yeah. What else? The, uh, chapter two, I guess the rich don't work for money. Uh, Yeah. Chapter three, financial literacy. And,
0: uh, we learned about investing in assets versus liabilities, right? Yeah. It's Robert's big thing is, uh, own assets, don't own liabilities. And what, what, how do you define an asset? How do you define a liability? And uh, having the financial literacy to be able to, you know, point to that, say, that's a liability. I shouldn't buy that (laughs) because that's going to put me in the poor house. But that over there is an asset and that's going to put money in my pocket every month. And that's what you want. Um, An asset, something that puts money in your pocket every month with minimal labor or contribution from you. right. So that you can build your wealth over time. So. Again, we do not necessarily agree with everything Robert says, but we pulled this book off the shelf after what it's been sitting on the shelf for probably 10 years. I don't know how long ago you read it, <laughs> but <laughs> not um, that long ago. <laughs> yeah, but it is uh, a huge mindset shift for a lot of people um, to just uh, step back and look at the system that we live in yeah, and say, okay, well, why is the system set up like this and if it is set up like this, what can we do?
1: Um, How do we use that wisely?
0: Yeah. And uh, how do we react to the system? Do we just follow along and um, play the games that they put forward? Or do we try and uh, deviate slightly? And he's presenting. I think you mentioned last time it's somewhat controversial when this book came out. Yes. Yeah, people are like, whoa, you can't do that. Yeah, because
1: it, it was encouraging people to take risks, I guess, unnecessary risks, Yeah, and uh, deviate from that sort of, well, I mean, the, with the, the path <laughs> of the poor dad, I guess, that um, typical path of yeah. get a good education, get a good job with a big company or the government
0: yeah. um, with good benefits, and then you're, you're set. So just quickly, like the, just the refresh. So the poor dad is Robert's actual biological father. Yeah. He's highly educated. He's got a job as a professor. Um, and then his rich dad is his friend's father who he spends a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. And this guy is an entrepreneur and he, be, yeah, I think he dropped out of high school. Yeah. Um, so he's not nearly as educated, but he's a lot more financially literate and, uh, he's, uh, not in the government <laughs> <laughs> no, and he does sir. he takes a different viewpoint on a lot of things um, so anyways today we want to talk about um, kind of the next step uh, in this book where he starts talking a little bit more detail about the history of the tax system the yeah. history of the system so we want to dive into that a little bit for people trying to explain some of these things yeah taxes It sounds so interesting <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I see the word tax on like an email or I just like skip, yep. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an accountant, so I send that off to the accountant and they hopefully figure yeah, it out. Yeah. But that is a, like you said, figure it out. That's a big, um, game. I got a game. It's a big responsibility is trying to learn the tax code and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robert does highlight how important it is to understand uh, tax because it's like one of the biggest expenses we have. Um, and yeah, we have to pay tax, render Yeah, inter- and the Caesar. rich need
1: to uh, pay more tax. The rich do. Yeah. Yes. And we're not rich. No. No. <laughs> no, but that's the that's the common, <laughs> that's almost like the universal solution. Yeah. Right? When there's any tax sort the of rich. inequality in society or, I don't know, anything, like, well, the rich need to pay more tax. Yeah. Right. So is it's that a default a valid, position, right? Yeah. Is that a valid argument? Is that a valid position? Yeah. So I think we need to understand like how tax is paid, who pays tax. Um, yeah. yeah. Like you said, yeah. learn about the whole system because it's, it's a pretty simplistic viewpoint, right? Well, just make the rich
0: pay for it. <laughs> right? and well, okay. I had this the other day because I picked up the Hamilton Spectator. Uh, I don't know. It was a small one. So I haven't seen the Hamilton spec, but when I was a kid, it was like massive. Yeah. It's not big anymore. But yeah, I guess nobody reads it. So, well, I started reading and I was like, I can see why nobody reads this. (laughs) Like every single page for the first three or four pages, all the articles were about how the rich need to pay more or the government needs to give us money for something, or we need funding for something because we can't make it on our own. And it's just like, wow, this is a constant refrain everywhere. Yeah,
1: everybody wants a handout, right? Yeah, and do
0: nothing and get something.
1: Yeah, and we're so we're used to it. We're entitled.
0: Yeah, to it, right? And that's a human nature thing, right? Is I want something more than the other guy. Yeah, and I don't want to do anything for it or pay for it, ideally, right? That's yeah. like what's in our hearts. We wanted, we want that.
1: But like, would it be different if um, if I found a wealthy person? And went up to them and said, hey, I, like, whatever, I need money for this. Or groceries cost too much. you got to pay for some of my groceries. Yeah. I don't know. I would never do that. Maybe yeah. There's some w- what people... would their
0: reaction be?
1: <laughs> I yeah. Guess. And, like, would you ever consider doing that? Yeah, no. But why <laughs> is it okay for us to demand that the government... Do that. Does on that. On Because where does that money come from? <clears throat> right.
0: That's a good question. We should start a podcast called Where Does Money Come From? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like, uh, I don't know, the progression of life, right?
1: You're younger and you're like, where do babies come from? And eventually you're like, where does money come from? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, maybe we should talk about taxes a little bit
0: yeah so he introduces robert introduces in this book the the tax system and corporations um using the robert robin hood metaphor right so the story of robin hood right so you have this uh story uh and it's kind of idolizing this figure who goes out robin hood and he takes from the rich and gives to the poor Mm -hmm. right and uh Like we, I think we generally think highly of Robin Hood. I don't know.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, He's a romantic figure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Folklore. Um, yeah, I know my kids want to have a bow and arrow and be like him. I don't know. Um, maybe they just want to steal all the gold, (laughs) 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 but that's the attitude we have, right? That we were just talking about that the rich should pay for it, that they have everything. Well, we just got to go in there and get it from them and distribute it to all the people who don't. So what's wrong with that philosophy?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in,
0: I don't know, I guess maybe you can make the
1: argument that in the time of Robin Hood, um, the the rich were being oppressive. I, I don't even know. I wasn't there. Yeah. But so that's sort of the argument, right? You had the feudal landlords and uh, there's no way for uh for the common folk to ever better themselves right yeah. there's just there's no upward mobility either socially or economically and you had the rich landowners and um they trod upon the poor so that's sort of the narrative that i think we've brought along yeah into our society when we don't have that very same um like we don't have that anymore we don't have feudal landlords yeah no and we have landlords <laughs> and they feud with their tenants, but it's not the same thing, <laughs> yeah. but you have this romanticized notion, this ideal, um, of the rich versus the poor. And then the hero yeah. right, who, who comes and solves that. And like, I don't know, there, there's a whole lot of psychology around sort of, uh, the, the hero hero's journey. And especially for kids, it's very important for them to sort of go on that journey themselves. Yeah, um, as a hero, and you could even argue in our lives, right? You want to be a hero for your family, yeah. or for you know that that's a that's a whole other other topic. But <laughs> um, and, and there's yeah, that's that's sort of a good archetype, I think. But we apply that in in the wrong situation sometimes, right? With the wrong information, like yeah. today, where there needs to be that hero who will take from the rich and give to the poor.
0: Yeah, so he, um, he basically uses this metaphor to say, well, we should study the history of taxes because how does this actually come about? Because mm-hmm. does the rich actually get taxed and does that money actually go to the poor, right? Because we have this romanticized notion that, you know, Robin Hood's out there, we're going to tax the rich and we're going to give it to the poor. Yeah. But when we look at the actual tax system, where is the money flowing? Like who is being taxed? And where does that money go? And okay, well, there's so many different things we could talk about here, but is that process efficient? Is it fair? Uh, How has it come to be? Um, How can you understand it better? And how can you use it appropriately? Um, so he says one one way, like the first step is to start studying the history of taxes. And that yeah. sounds like even more boring than just talking about <laughs> yeah, That sounds pretty exciting. So you. the next 15 episodes, we're going to go through from <laughs> 1700s onward, how taxes were levied upon the British and American citizens. <laughs> uh, well,
1: but, it, it is interesting that income tax is a very new... Yeah invention
0: in human history and I, you know okay I, so I what did they do tax? before that before tax like we just think it's the norm that you have you go to work you make money and then you have tax and then you live your life and the government provides things for it but like how how would they do it before tax
1: well if you think of sort of the medieval walled city yeah right, you would tax trade caravans would come through or merchants would come in and they so everybody lives pay. in the
0: city they do their thing
1: yeah, or the city was the central thing, yeah. right? So if you held a
0: fair or um, yeah, like a market or something, yeah.
1: the merchants would be paying some tax either to have the stall there or a um, you know, flat rate or whatever it was. Entry but and exit. Basically, it was um, trade, which produces wealth. Yeah. And the government would take a piece off the top of that, basically, for the privilege of being able to trade in my town. Yeah. And then, you know, there's some sort of reciprocal agreements there that my town is safe and I have an army. Yeah. Or I have uh, some sort of security so that you can trade in peace here. Yeah. Right? And then maybe develop uh, roads where caravans could go between cities and between countries and you would provide security for them. Yeah. Um, there's sort of that implicit understanding so that if they had to pay the tax, then that was fine. But yeah. The other thing,
0: too, is they had tribute... So if, if you conquer a nation, yeah. right, then you, you say, well, okay, you can live in this area, but you have to pay us, the new government, more money or yeah. money or some form of payment.
1: Yeah. And that's um, probably one of the less effective methods of taxation, right? Because, I mean, we, we sort of the West did that too, uh, or the West, but the, uh, after World War I, Right, this is what the victors did to Germany. Essentially, it had to pay tribute, right? Like you got to pay reparations for the war. Yeah. And all you do there is you breed resentment, and you uh, like you like they caused a huge financial crisis in Germany because of that. And then what happened from that? Well, we know what happened after that, right? That created the conditions for German nationalism and for a new force to come up and save the German people from this yeah. um, financial See, I'm
0: thinking even further back than that like ancient <laughs> no I agree more, but I'm right? just saying this is
1: an example that most people would um, would probably know about right as opposed to like I don't know Constantinople or like, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <you> know, some, <laughs> sometime
0: in Assyria. yeah <laughs> um, <clears throat> The other thing too I think if the government or like whatever ruling structure the king at that time had a monopoly on some industry yeah right then they would make revenue from whatever resources were produced, right? Like, Hey, I own this forest and all the people work in it, but I own the proceeds of this. So then you fund the government by that or.
1: Yeah. uh, Like you think of Egypt, which for a long time was sort of the breadbasket of uh, the modern or of the civilized world, right? The grain merchants like the sort of the, uh, the Pharaoh or the whatever the government would just take a portion of all the grain. Yeah. Right. And so they wouldn't be taking money per se, but they would be taking the grain and then they would be able to sell that grain yeah. or do
0: with it what they wanted at their leisure. Right. Yeah. So it was just like, which actually, yeah, we, we don't need to talk about this, but it keeps the government really accountable to the people in a sense, because you're actually taking their stuff. And, uh, if you take too much grain from all the people they're going to go hungry and they're probably going to go, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that
1: was always the thing, right? Yeah.
0: In the lean years, what happened? Yeah. The give
1: and take and keeping the sort of the populace happy. Right. Yeah.
0: So how did taxes come about? Well, that is the history there. Um, he goes through it in the book. Uh, what is this chapter four? Um, so he said that taxes were never really a thing, but occasionally temporary taxes. taxes Yeah. Income taxes. Yeah, like directly tied to whatever income you earn, you have to pay tax. So, But occasionally, he says, occasionally taxes were levied in order to pay for wars, right? So then you say, okay, we're going to do this big um, attack on this place over here. So everybody chip in, give us a little bit of money so we can go and uh, expand our authority and our nation. So income tax as uh, a permanent levy on its citizens, that didn't happen until 1874 so like you said pretty recent um and in the states it's saying here it was 1913 right so 1874 yeah. in england and 1913 in the states so we haven't had tax like we have tax for 100 years in the u.s which is a fairly uh new concept <laughs> yeah um and most of the people at that time, you think about it, were anti, like they were opposed to this measure, right? They didn't want income tax, um, and I think most people now probably <laughs> don't want it either. But they can't see a way without it.
1: Yeah, but initially, who paid that tax? <laughs> the rich. The rich. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what it was, said, right? Yeah. yeah. It was like, don't worry, this is just a tax on the rich people.
0: Yeah. So that right? so that's how they. Yeah. Because if everybody's anti-tax, the only way to sell it to people is to say, look, we're going to tax the rich. We're not going to tax everybody. We're just going to tax those people who have lots of stuff. So that way you can get like a mass of people, right? You get, make this idea popular to everybody in the country by saying, look, you're uh, suffering on hard times. You don't have as much as that guy. We're going to make that guy pay for these services. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll vote in favor of that. Right. And then eventually this becomes law. And that was, uh, the adoption of the 16th amendment and, um, yeah. So Robert, um, kind of goes through this history really, really quickly. Um, and he kind of, he's saying, look, okay, the rich were originally intended to be taxed, but what actually ends up happening is that the middle class is the ones who are taxed because the rich, they find a way to outsmart the system and they create corporations. Well, because it's income tax, right? Yeah. So it's tax total income on income. That you're, yeah. Okay. Let's talk it's about that for a second. Remember. Yeah. You want it? Oh, <laughs> well, I love income. No. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if you make income. Yep. Then you're taxed. So who makes the most income? Uh, is this a trick question? Well, yeah. Because well, so the poor people don't make that much income. <laughs> okay. But as you know go up, middle up. class makes more income, right? Upper middle class. So who is in the upper middle class? Like doctors? Yeah, lawyers, doctors, lawyers. I mean, dentists. people might argue and
1: say, no, they're the wealthy, but not, I wouldn't say. No. Not if you look at total wealth distribution. Yeah,
0: so upper middle class. So I think
1: in Canada, if you're above, uh, it's it, it always kind of moves. But mm-hmm. to be in the top 20% of income earners, you got to be over 170,000. Yeah,
0: you so. had that pulled up, right? The, yeah, the, the Fraser, Fraser Institute. Institute. Which is a little bit outdated I think but um who was Fraser anyways
1: <laughs> and why did he have an institute <laughs> but yeah that would put the top 20% of uh income earners yeah. at $170,000 or more right? right so the top 20% um
0: but there's a big jump from here. the top 20% to the top 1%, right yeah like there the- is
1: so top 20% Earned um, just under half of all the income, 49.1%, but pay, uh, and this is, I think, 2017 numbers, so we're a little bit out here, but um, it won't be that much different. Like, if anything, it would be skewed skewed even further, but they paid 64% of all personal income tax. Yeah. Right? Versus the bottom 20% made 4% of all the income, but paid 0.6% 0.6% of all personal income tax. Yeah. Right. And then it... So that ratio of income earned to tax paid is skewed. So there's more income earned versus the percentage of total income tax paid for... So this is divided into five
0: parts. <laughs> you lost me. I don't yeah, know. I, sorry. <laughs> this uh, is five points. This sermon is going to be five points.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, so there's five income groups basically yeah. And the only ones that pay more, like a higher percentage of tax compared to the percentage of income, is the top 20%. Right. Right. That's where, right. And then the, so that's the the fifth group, if you want to call it. Then the fourth group makes 22.5% of income and pays 20% of all the tax. So, so but
0: so. I think the general um, mindset is that income is a good thing, right? Like most people think, and that's what Robert's saying too. You like, want to earn more income. Yeah. You want more income, right? Yeah. Well, go to school, you know, how do you get more income Well, you go to school and you study hard yeah. and you get really good grades so that you're the smartest in your class. That means you're going to out compete everybody when it tom- comes time to get a job. Yes. So then you're going to get a job and you're probably gonna get the best job yep. and then you're going to get the most income and you're probably going to work really hard at that job so that you can get a promotion so you can get more income.
1: You want to earn six figures. Yeah. Like right? you got so to get the... the most
0: income and that's his uh, assessment of the current system and not only just like, um, getting a job, but like the whole education system, everything's geared towards this, right? Like yeah. do all these things. And then eventually when you're ready to retire, you've kind of, you know, reached the pinnacle of, yeah, you know, maybe your peak earning years are a little bit younger, but yeah. you kind of made it right. But when it comes to taxes, like income is not <laughs> income is taxed, right? Income yes. is sorry. Income is not income is taxed. Yes personal income personal income yeah so if you have more income you pay more tax and that's where um, well who does
1: that benefit yeah
0: well benefits the government yeah right i mean you you can make the argument that
1: it no, it benefits everybody because you know in a perfect world the government takes in tax pays a little bit for administration uh you know, bureaucracy and then that money goes back out um, well, it'll pay for healthcare, for yeah. Security—that's how they generally sell it, too, right? We're yeah. gonna
0: do more taxes, but you're gonna get this, and it's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, but we
1: have to remember. Well, a we don't have a perfect system. We have a massive bloated bureaucracy. Yeah, which takes a ton of tax dollars, um, and like the government doesn't add any value. Yeah. Right. Other than, <laughs> I mean, well, because it's getting worse, right? Healthcare, Like, you can argue for some of the services that we have.
0: Yeah. The military, um, I mean... Like, there's value to having, having a governing structure in your country to ensure stability and yeah, enforce I mean, the law.
1: There is the argument right. that really the government should exist to enforce um, property, property rights.
0: Yeah, property rights.
1: Yeah, and that's one of sort of the basic... I think that's more like Austrian
0: economics. But yeah, you're talking about the services that the government provides. They don't necessarily add value because you're taking money from someone else. Like you're taking money from the citizens and you're administering a service with a large amount of uh, waste or bureaucracy involved. And you're you're not incentivized to optimize that system because you can just tax more.
1: Yeah. I mean, so originally going back to the sort of the medieval walled city, um, the government would take tax, and as long as it was reasonable, people could would continue to trade there because they knew that it was a safe place, right? There was safety; they could they could do their trade there, and that would all be good, right? Yeah. And we've so security that was the primary and upholding of property rights for whoever had property. Yeah, um, we've added all kinds of necessary things to that, right? So healthcare, like yeah, yeah I'm in favor of uh, universal healthcare administered efficiently, which we don't have, but then there's all sorts of other things that creep in that we need, right? We yeah. have to have. Yeah. And like, you're talking about the, you're reading the spectator and everybody <laughs> wants a handout because yeah, anytime something happens, well, you yeah. know, I can't deal with this. The government has to, uh, has to help me. And yeah. you know, maybe there's something to that in, in a certain degree, but we've added all these different services that, um, are absolutely necessary.
0: And, uh, yeah. And in the, and one thing Robert points out too, is that in the government, um, people get, people get paid, like they get the standards of measurement, like that, by which we compare like the yep. private sector and the government are different because when you're in the government, he says, uh, you get paid to spend money and hire people. Yeah. Right. So if you don't do your job and you're not spending like, so the more you spend, And the more people you hire, um, the more your part of the government is respected and praised. Yeah. Whereas in the private sector, (laughs) if you just started spending more and hiring more people, your business would go out of business. Yeah. So he says the reward is different, right? You have a respected organization as one that is efficient and prudent with their money, right? They, they have money and they use, they work within their resources and they maximize their output and their impact on society. And Um, and the value that they're creating and adding. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, the whole thing is flipped. Yeah. Whereas
1: government, the only thing that is respected is big.
0: Yeah. Right. No, not efficiency, not anything else. And then in turn, when it gets big, you need more taxes. Exactly. And it's this never ending like growth cycle and more (laughs) tax, but the tax side of it, um, I forget we were talking about this earlier how do we go back to this now? So if your um, if your income, Ooh, our camera special, um, if your income is taxed through income tax and you make lots of income, you might think that is a good thing, right? Yeah. And that's, but if your income is taxed, well, how can you avoid being taxed? And th- th- that's what he's saying is the rich kind of found a way, um, to legally, avoid being taxed and that was through uh he speaks about it in history the corporation uh, which he says came about through um the days when they were sailing ships across from europe to the new world yeah and rather than put all of your um
1: eggs uh one basket yeah i don't know maybe more
0: yeah maybe all of your wealth on the line yeah so if you send a ship across to the new world and so all the crew dies and you lose all kinds of money and then there's people coming after you, they can't take your, um, like your personal belongings, your house and everything. Right. Yeah. So they, they set up a corporation to say, okay, this trip, all the risk is in this trip. Like if you go on this trip and you lose your life, you know, you can't come after me and my house and my family. Yeah. Or right? if you had
1: partners who were investing money, yeah, if they lost <laughs> that money, then that would be lost, yeah. and there's no personal recourse. Yeah. And then on the flip side, if um, if it did very well, your your gain was limited because you're sharing that with the other partners. Yeah. Right. And so they had very excellent upside, unli- almost unlimited upside, but limited
0: downside. And that's limited liability. Yeah. Corporation. Yeah. LLC. Ooh, I've heard of that before. Yeah, right? Have our listeners heard of that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But these are the things that sound kind of dry and a little bit like, do we really need to talk about corporations and tax? But understanding them uh, gives you huge advantages, right? Because it's a way, legal way, to shelter um, yourself from taxation.
1: Well, and more than that, (laughs) it's not because people will say, oh, there's loopholes or, you know... um, that's a, a yeah like as word. christians
0: how do we think about loopholes like yeah
1: but it, like if the government has set up the tax code in a very like very specific way like our tax specific, code specific
0: but it's very convoluted <laughs> yeah it's
1: maddening to a lot of people and uh ah, i can't remember the is it the angry accountant or something oh, yeah. no there's a there's a fella i've heard who's just like he gets he's an accountant in yeah that's you know your personality would be probably a little more dry if you were an accountant, <laughs> um, generally speaking. Uh, but he, he gets very animated and very worked up about our tax code. and Like rightly so. It's so yeah. convoluted. We'd um, be much better with just a flat tax. But anyways, the point is the government has set up the tax code. They have set up both income tax and corporate tax yeah. for reasons. Yeah. Right? And the reasons are to encourage people Um, In certain directions. Yeah, in certain directions. So if you're not interested in like making the economy grow through trade, through uh, creating assets, through starting a company, all that kind of thing, um, then that's
0: fine. Then you just pay income tax. Yeah. Right. You're You're, you're penalized in a way, right? If you just want to work for yourself.
1: Penalized. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a cost to that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's, you know, we always think of that as the default, as income tax as the default. Well, income tax isn't the only source of income for the government, right? They make money also from trade. So maybe we should think of that as the default, as business taxes being the default and income tax being like... Supplemental. Because, well, that's how it started, right? Yeah. Trade tax. Yeah. And like in the time of Jesus, there were all kinds of uh, ridiculous taxes as well, but income tax was like maybe 1% of all the tax that the Romans actually collected um, in that system. But the default is tax on trade. Yeah. And then we've added income tax to that. So that's sort of, you're kind of flipping the script a little bit there. Yes. We think of like maybe we should be thinking more in terms of having a corporation um, and paying corporate taxes because like the government... As as I said earlier, it doesn't add anything, really, other than some you know some of these benefits like. Um, um, it doesn't add anything to the economy, I should yeah. say, right? People argue that the government spending increases the economy. That's like no, because that money comes from the economy first of all from tax. But the only people that add value to the economy are like people who form corporations who do business. Who build homes right the only yeah we can simplify it and say housing are landlords
0: yeah we can s- simplify and say uh like all this stuff is the tax code uh and personal and corporate is set up to incentivize certain behavior yeah so if you say okay i just want to work for myself i'm going to get a job i'm going to make lots of money well you're going to pay a huge percentage of that in tax because what are you doing for the government you're not creating any jobs you're not creating any housing you're not Making this, I mean, sure, you can make this a better country in other ways, but when it comes to your uh, personal income side of things, like you're not contributing anything other than just the labor you put in, right? Whereas a business owner, he's going to get taxed in a different way because, and the code's set up like this because he's getting rewarded or incentivized to provide jobs and good paying jobs, and he's rewarded when he's, um, making products that are going to be exported or he's building housing, right? So all of these different parts of the tax code, um, kind of set up incentive structures for us. And the problem is the system, um, is set up such that we just learn about the one, right? We learn about go to school, get a good job, get your, like the most amount of money. And that's how you're going to do well. And, Um, they, yeah, you kind of roundabout figure out about this other one where there's corporations. So he's really highlighting that. Um, where's this awesome one? Which one sounds harder to you? Page 191, work hard, pay 50% in tax, save what is left your savings, then earn 5%, which is also taxed or. Take the time to develop your financial intelligence, harness the power of your brain and the asset column. So
1: <laughs> uh, for most people, it's number one, right? Just go to work and get taxed. <laughs> Honestly, it's the easy path, right? Yeah. Path of least resistance.
0: But we do this in a lot of areas in our life where it's like, okay, you just do the thing yeah. even though it, it's moderately difficult or like it stresses you out, but you don't sit back and think, okay, how can I actually make this process easier and spend a couple days coming up with a way to do it, um, repeatedly easier. Right. Um, and that's, that. There's pain up there at, at first, right? Cause generally yeah. when you're trying to achieve something, you just want to go do it. You don't want to like sit around for a week thinking about how to do it better Yeah. because then you won't actually do the thing. Right. You kind of want to get the monkey off your back and do the thing right away.
1: Yeah, and yeah, we talked about that before, right? Time yeah. preference. I mean, Kiyosaki doesn't talk about this, but um, yeah, w- what is your time preference, and can you plan ahead? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think we kind of beat this to death when we are talking about money. Oh, but... I
0: love beating it to death. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
1: Um, there's all kinds of dead horses around here. <laughs> uh... I, there's no dead horses, just a disclaimer. It's a fig- figure of speech only. Yeah. Right. But that, that is the idea behind capitalism. Because, yeah. You know, maybe that's a dirty word, but, um... um is is essentially making capital saving some of it and then risking that in some kind of endeavor and usually that requires planning and forethought right we've talked about like you know the old old days
0: building a mill yeah so instead of just growing grain and then eating it like grinding it by hand and making bread and then eating it Yeah. yeah you build you have to pool your capital with others build that mill and then all of a which sudden takes 40 cut. years to pool all that capital and build yeah. it, a lot of sacrifice, yep. but it makes a lot easier once you have a mill. Yeah. And
1: it makes a big difference in everybody's life.
0: Yeah. And that
1: makes everybody's life better in in that area. Yeah. Right. Uh, which again, the government can't do. We look at the government to make our life better, to give
0: us a handout, whatever, but uh, like they never, yeah. ever do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's running for office. <laughs> um, another comment he had here was: so um, business owners with corporations, um, they earn, or sorry, so employees. Uh, okay, let me let me let me actually do how he does in the book. Business owners with corporations, they first they earn. Yep. Second, they spend, and then third, they pay tax. Right. The employees who work for the corporations, they earn, then they pay tax, then they spend. So which one do you think is better?
1: Yeah, obviously it's number one. And and Is that unfair,
0: though, that the business owner owned the business? (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) go ahead.
1: (laughs) No, because you mentioned before, and the part he didn't have in here, but he does talk about, is then saving. Yeah. Then you're going to save... And guess what? You're also going to pay tax on those savings unless you're doing like an RSP or something. But generally speaking, that's how it works, right? Yeah. Whereas uh, the business owner does not. Yeah. uh,
0: But so how, just how, how can the business owner earn, then spend, then pay tax? Because doesn't everybody have to earn and then pay tax on what they earn and then they have a little bit left over, they can spend it?
1: Well, if you have a corporation, then you have write-offs. Yeah. <laughs> the infamous write off. Yeah. It's all the write-off. Yeah. Do you know what a write-off is? That essentially just means
0: off. you spend it before you get taxed.
1: Yeah. So yeah. you take money in, you spend it on something useful. Yeah. Right. If you're spending on something silly, well you still owe the tax on that original amount. But yeah. if you are spending it to grow the business, um,
0: then yeah. that can come Or if off. you were going to spend the money anyways, personally, but you there's a way to have the business spend the money instead? Yeah, right. That's the idea. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I think, um, well, just purely looking at it from like a corporation perspective, it's not earn, uh, pay tax, then spend. Right. It's because if you're going gr- to trying to grow your business, if you're going to buy a piece of equipment, you have to buy that anyways. Yeah. But the government realizes that if you you're going to buy a piece of equipment for your business, that's going to make it either more efficient. Yeah. Or bigger,
0: yeah, which is good for them. Yeah, employ more people who are going to pay income tax. So you're rewarded for that behavior when you're earning inside your business, in or inside your corporation, and then you're spending it on things to improve your corporation, because the government's going to benefit ultimately from more people being hired and more production.
1: Well, and not only that, but the only. One in this scenario that's adding value to the economy between the government, the employees, and the corporation is the corporation. Yeah. So the government at some level recognizes I mean, the corporation
0: couldn't function in and of itself, like, without the employees, obviously.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but but I'm just talking in, like, sort of abstract economic terms. If you're talking about this size of the economy or just the economy in general. Like, we talk about the economy like it's this (laughs) mystical being, but... That's just Just like,
0: you should speak in specific, clear, understandable terms. (laughs) You can keep the abstract, (laughs) but no, this is good. No, that's your
1: job to to clarify. Okay. (laughs) The the
0: only, like uh,
1: the economy is just companies in a certain area working and making money. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about GDP and how we measure GDP with government spending as well, but that's not really the true measure of an economy because that muddles it. But yeah. And again, the only ones adding value are corporations or, yeah. you know, whatever other form of, um, form of company. That yeah. And you kind
0: of touched on this, but just briefly. So I think the idea is that to get ahead, right. Uh, you have to save something at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So whether you're a, an employee earning an income, or, uh, your business, a corporation, you're earning income. Like the idea is that at the end of the day, you want to do your work, make your money, pay your tax. And then, um, I guess that's the order if you're going to, and then spend it on the things you need. And at the end, have something left over. Yeah. And the more you can have left over at the end, the sooner you can save it and use that for other things. Right. And that's the capital appreciation you're talking about of doing building a mill. We keep going back to this mill.
1: <laughs> I like it. The old yeah. mill. Um, well, and I think in your example.
0: But which one has more left over at the end of the day, right? And that's a simple way to kind of picture it. Is Oh, like up right? there. Yeah, because if you're trying to save money, right, and you, you get taxed right away, and then you have to spend. Yeah. Well, then you're going to have less left over. But if you spend first and then get taxed on what's left over, you end up with more that you keep for yourself, yeah at the end of the day right and that's the power like that's where um you know a corporation is a, a, t- a structure that helps you use the tax system to your advantage not just to your advantage to everybody's everybody's advantage. advantage and the only reason it's to your advantage is because it's to everyone's advantage and that's how the code's set up yeah exactly are we making so, this simple enough for people i don't know People, oh, man. People can email in their complaints. <laughs> we got a department for that. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> and we're hiring. It's actually expanding, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
1: a couple points. We have no, to I tax think... our listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could find a way to do that.
0: Um, Every download. No, I think
1: you summarized it well, right? That I can't remember what you said now, but um, basically that it's good for you because it's good for everybody else.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. so incentivize that behavior. And when you look at it like that, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, so paying less tax it is not like it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing because who is spending will, sorry, with the savings that are left over in each scenario, the employee or the business owner, like what happens with those savings? Yeah. I would argue that the employee is more likely to save it in a personal savings account of some kind. Whereas the business owner who has this experience and like looks at that, not just as like, Oh, here's a lump of money that i better hold on to for retirement. It's like, I can turn this into something else. I can go and spend some of that or all of that. Start um, another business, start another business or increase my business and just make things better. And again, that's better for everyone because now you have more people, you know, if it's all about, uh, increasing tax revenue, then you need to incentivize uh, corporations. Yeah. Because that's how you get more taxes, not not by just income earners paying income tax. Second point <laughs> on a little rant. Well, you talked about Out of right? five. <laughs> second point out of five. <laughs> um, oh, you said, oh, you should run for office, right? And, um,
0: you know, I was just thinking. I like, didn't mean like run from office I meant run <laughs> no I would run for from office, office. Okay.
1: well nobody ever gets elected and maybe previously this this could have been a platform thing but you never see this on a platform now is I'm going to make the government more efficient yeah. I'm gonna cut we're doing austerity measures yeah um, all this stuff right whether you're a conservative yeah quote-unquote or a liberal or NDP whoever um, no like when it's election time, it's all, how are they going to spend money? Yeah. Right? So what's the best way to... It's not a question
0: of, should we spend this it's, money? It's, it's not even that. It's how can I most popularly spend the money? Like, well, how can I spend the money to get the most in, people to vote for me? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the idea <laughs> We see right it. through it.
1: <laughs> uh, no, people don't. Oh, man. Unfortunately, they but don't yeah, listen to the podcast. I mean, we're working on it, Brent. Okay. <laughs> right. But whether, yeah, it, it drives me mad, whether you're conservative or, or not conservative, right. It's how do we best spend the money, which really yeah. just means how do I best spend it to get elected? Not yeah. best for the country. Yeah. Um, and, but people realize that nobody is going to get elected on an austerity platform or uh, just a responsibility. Yeah platform and the only time that stuff ever happens is when it's inevitable and it has to happen and then it doesn't matter who's in office right when yeah. you look at um you know italy or greece or, or any of these countries so it's that a disaster have, yeah but when like when push comes to shove and they go broke or they default then whoever's in office has to do this yeah. right either they quit and they let someone else do it or they bring it in and it doesn't yeah. matter what their political persuasion is because at that point it's they have to do it. Yeah. But um well <clears throat> okay. I'm, that but this is part of the problem. Almost done. <laughs> right? <Summary. Is> <laughs> Maybe. No, but nobody will vote for someone who's uh promising cost cutting. No. But that's the problem. It, the people will not vote for that. Yeah. So then what's a politician to do, right? Do you just go on a false platform and relinquish
0: then, control of the money?
1: Yeah. See if
0: that goes, but anyways, this ties back to real estate because so Mm -hmm. Roberts, um, uh, I guess we kind of intro the whole book by saying that this book has impacted a lot of real estate investors. Right. Yeah. And, um, there's a reason for that and, and like, there's many reasons in the book that he kind of gives, like real estate is an asset. It's not a liability, right? So if you buy a property, it could put money in your pocket every month. So that's an asset. Um, so if you, you save up this money, you buy a rental property that generates money for you every month. Well, that's great, right? Because you're on your way to financial freedom or, um, but then also the concepts around, um, tax and corporations. So there's benefits that, um, are kind of built into real estate and, mm-hmm. uh, we can get into this in a lot more detail, but just from a high level, um, owning a piece of real estate, um, has, uh, advantages from a tax perspective because um, like we kind of touched on, right? If you're the government and you think about it, I want to incentivize uh, the creation of housing. Yeah. Well, they reward you for owning um, real estate so you can actually depreciate the value of your property over, um, like you have capital cost allowance. This is getting a little wow. bit technical and I don't even know all I these things. I don't depreciate
1: that at all. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah needless to say it's an asset class that is uh, offers a lot of tax advantages did we talk about that on the why real estate episodes you can go back and listen (coughs) to that
1: excuse me we didn't we touched on tax we didn't get into it too too much so fun yeah just uh eyes glazing over um but so that's like you raise another important point or touched on it about uh, buying real estate, creating housing, right? Who creates housing? It's yeah. not the government. It is not the government. People they don't create housing.
0: Well, but they just said they did. Trudeau was in Hamilton <laughs> uh, recently. <laughs> said they, sixty-four million dollars to create and build or renovate more than two hundred and fourteen new units.
1: Uh huh. So I would lo- really love specifics on how they actually. Did that?
0: Where did the sixty-four million dollars go? Or yeah, million. It wasn't trillion yet.
1: (laughs) No, not yet. I mean, we're (laughs) getting there. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if you want to get into any of those specifics, but
0: but your point is they didn't suffice it to say
1: they didn't do anything. Yeah, they rode on the back of private investors who saw this deal through, and they did contribute a little bit of money. What was it for? For better financing terms. Yeah. To a higher tier. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, some,
0: some deals, right? Some, maybe the money, I don't know. We'd have to look into the, like you said, we need to look into the deal uh, details.
1: Yeah. It's not like the government went in there and said, okay, Mr. Contractor, you're going to build this unit here and I'm going to pay you. Yeah. Right. Like, no, no, not at all. Yeah. So, but does it, you know, what's more popular to say, like we invested money and created 214 housing units or we were sort of on the edges of this program and we helped improve financing options for developers and therefore these units are getting built. Although these units would have got built anyways. Yeah. Like that's not a real great announcement, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, and the the tax side of things when it comes to real estate, I guess to simplify it is that, um, certain things can be deducted from your income, right? So if you earn income, um, and let's say you earn income at your job, what can you deduct from that income before you get taxed? Well, when you own real estate and that produces income, right? You have rental income from your real estate investment. You obviously have expenses, but some of those things can be deducted yeah. before you pay tax, which as a huge benefit, right? Over Especially over time. Yeah. As you start to look at um, your cash flow over year over year to say, look, okay, well, I would have spent this much in tax, but I could deduct all of these other things before I had to pay the tax. Yeah. Well, then I have more left over for the next year.
1: Relating to that specific asset.
0: <laughs> yeah. To that property. Not yeah. your personal income. <clears throat> yeah, exactly.
1: So let me tell you something beautiful Ooh. about investing or about I guess, being in the United States because you can be a real estate professional, which means you have to spend a certain amount of time on real estate, but you can also have another job and you can take the deductions from your real estate and apply it to your personal income.
0: Yeah. That's huge. That's
1: huge. Amazing. So you have people who don't pay a lot of person, like they can still work a job and they end up not paying very much uh, income tax at all because they're, Producing deductions from and the like, the 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 system is is much, uh, in my opinion, set up much better. In uh, the states, you mean in the states Canada. for deductions and so forth. Yeah. Um. You know, you lose some of that as uh, like as a foreign investor, you don't get all of those benefits. Yeah. It is still overall better, but. Um, Ah, just imagine if we had that here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever will. Yeah, I guess the key takeaway then is that you want to increase your financial literacy, as Robert says, um, to understand. Don't necessarily have to understand the history of the tax system and all of these things, but it's good to be aware of which things are tax favored assets to invest in. Yeah, and what ones are. Uh, or what sources of income are going to penalize you the most. And that is your job income as uh, counterintuitive that as that may seem. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Educate huge, yourself about this.
1: That's a huge point though. Once you understand that, right. Like for, and that's why the the book was so controversial when it came out. Yeah. Because he's basically <laughs> saying, well, I mean, he, he said it savers or losers. Yeah. That was one point, but basically <laughs> saying like, this ideal of getting a good job, making lots of money, um, you know, is not the best option for you. Yeah. You know, for some people, that's what they want to do. That's fine. But, uh, when we just sit back and look at it from a numbers perspective, that's not the best option. And, uh, like that's even now people are still buying into that sort of, uh, that's the old ideal, I guess. And, um, yeah it's once you sit down and realize that you're like wow that really is interesting because as a business owner you don't actually need to make as much money yeah as um uh, what is it t4 earner yeah salary um, earner yeah salary earner uh in canada right because of your because of the deductions that you can have so what does that mean like yeah maybe you don't have to work as hard spend more time with your family or maybe you can yeah spend time doing other stuff or you can work just as hard and make more money yeah because uh because of the dedu- deductions
0: yeah <laughs> i'm in trouble here we're gonna get an, get an account a maybe we'll get an accountant on in the future yeah um is that a good idea or is that gonna be really exciting i mean boring it uh, has to be the right accountant, that's for sure. We need the angry accountant. <laughs> if you're an here. accountant and you want to prove us wrong. <laughs> if you can make tax exciting. <laughs> yeah, Give us a call at
1: 1-800-Boring-Economics. <laughs> um, what are we
0: going to do next time, Mark? We'll, well okay, uh, wrap we've it got, up.
1: We've sort of, yeah, I think we're kind of going through the book in chapters, right? So chapter four was Mind Your Own Business. So that's kind of working for yourselves, which we've outlined fairly um, strenuously, uh, chapter five is about taxes and the power of corporations. Um, chapter six is the rich invent money. And we've kind of talked about this right through like having yeah. a, a corporation creating housing or creating employment. Um, and then, yeah, I think we can do, um, maybe the last, uh, few chapters, in the next one. In our
0: very roundabout way. Yeah, I have a couple <laughs> things I just... Sorry, everybody. But I had a couple things that popped in my head. One is that... See, it's not always me. Yeah. So taxes... um, You have, you have little control. As, a, as an individual, you have little control over what happens with the taxes, right? Like they could just raise them Zero, whenever yeah. they want. Yeah. So if you're Spended structuring your life... Forever. Yeah. So if you're structuring your life so that taxes are minimized and you do take advantage of corporations, your risk is a lot lower, right? Like you're not going to be taxed all of a sudden more heavily. Um, so the, yeah, the least amount of tax you can uh, have, that's one point. And the other one is uh, just a quote from the book. So we had the, the thing we talked about last uh, week, which is the, um, the income statement and balance sheet, right? So you have your income and your expenses, you have your assets and liabilities. So he made an interesting comment. So if you have your income, your salary, that's essentially working for the government. Mm -hmm. or sorry, working for the company, right? You have your expenses, which include taxes, which is working for the government. And then you have liabilities. So maybe your house, right? You have a mortgage and that's working for the bank. (laughs) So what's in your asset column working for you? Maybe we'll just leave it there.
1: I think that's a good spot to to end it. All right. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Hopefully you got something (laughs) out of that. And uh, tune in next time for the exciting conclusion to the review of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Until next time, steward your wealth
0: wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We will see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.